This is a sermon for Sunday, July the 17th. The scripture is from James chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. The teaching today is about a picture of how to be patient, to be patient with our mouths watering for a coming harvest at the coming of the Lord. I'll read from James chapter 5, verse 7. Reading in the NIV, it says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You, too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. May God bless this reading from his word. Let us pray once more. God, our Father, I pray that you please shape our hearts with the right kind of faith, the right kind of hope right kind of love that shapes us to be people who persevere. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This little book of James, this letter that James, the brother of the Lord, wrote to the churches, is full of lessons about perseverance. And this place where I read for you today is not the only spot or the first spot where it talks about perseverance in this letter, right from the very beginning of the book of James. It speaks about how the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's in chapter 1, verse 3, and how perseverance can finish its work, and you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. One of God's goals for us is to shape us to be people who persevere, and through perseverance to shape us to be mature and people who are in his image. But here in this little, little passage, there's... Something that I want us to focus on in James chapter 5 about what it is that we are looking forward to while we persevere. And it is that we persevere looking forward to a harvest in our inheritance. We persevere looking forward to a harvest in our inheritance. I have, I have four lessons from this passage, and then and then two pictures or stories at the end to, to teach us how this applies to us and how we persevere as Christians. The first lesson is that we need to persevere like a farmer waiting for a harvest in his own inheritance. You just picture a, a farmer who is working on his or her own land, Pouring in lots of effort, lots of sweat of the brow, lots of lots of um, prayer, lots of anxiety, probably that that all kinds of things can go wrong before the harvest gets safely in. But expecting and looking forward to, and even tasting ahead of time, what that harvest is going to be like when it finally comes. And there's a great joy, even in the waiting, of how good that harvest will be 
when it is harvested. And James tells us here that our waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will come on the clouds and raise us up so we can meet him in the air and will usher in his great kingdom, James is telling us here that that will feel the same as when a farmer finally gets to taste of his or her harvest. Now, that is in contrast to a worker doing the same kind of work, but in a different setting, different arrangement. And that's right before this, right before this passage, James is warning rich people, about rich people who have not paid the laborers in their fields. He says in James chapter 5, verse 4, Look, the wages you failed to pay your workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Now, James is making a point to a different people there. He's making a point to the, to the, the rich people who've been hiring other people to do their work but not paying them. And his point is you need to pay them. You need to repent of your of your abusing your power and your position. But that he puts these two things side by side also teaches us about how we as Christians are supposed to view our work and our patience and our endurance for the Lord. That when he says about us as Christians serving the Lord, he says we serve and we wait like farmers looking forward to harvesting our own crops. We are not to serve the Lord like day laborers who all they can look forward to is their pay at the end of the day. Think about that. Think about that. On the one hand, if you're a farmer, you, you might... And, and you, don't, you only get paid once a year when you get to sell your crop, you might be thinking, boy, those day laborers have it better. They get paid every day that they work, and, and if, the, if the crop fails, they're still expected to get paid. But it's so much better to be a farmer working your own inheritance, your own field, to bring in your own harvest, And James pictures for us here, the word of God pictures for us, that that is what it is like to be a Christian. It raises the question of how you picture your payback for serving God. Very often, I think, Christians think, I've, I serve God this much. I deserve to get these other things back. A lot of the time, Christians have the mindset of a day laborer. Instead, we need to have the mindset of a harvester, of a, of a farmer looking forward to harvest. Now, it, it's not just... Um, it's not just that these two things happen to be side by side right here in this chapter. Back in chapter 2, verse 5, 
when James is talking about the poor, it says, um, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. That even if you are a person who is poor in finances, poor in the, the ways that, that this world evaluates someone as rich or successful, poor in all kinds of ways, you are to view yourself as someone who God has chosen to inherit the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. God has chosen the poor to inherit the kingdom. Now that doesn't mean that if you're poor and you serve the Lord, then it'll, it'll, you'll, your life will keep getting better, you'll keep getting richer, you'll keep, your, your life will necessarily improve in, in all the ways that the world would um, expect someone's life to improve in, in happiness and wealth. But there will be a coming inheritance and there will be a coming harvest in that inheritance, and that will be on the day when Jesus comes on the clouds. View yourself as someone who is appointed to an inheritance and to a harvest in that inheritance, not someone who is just looking for their payout at the end of the day. Lesson number two is that on that great day of harvest, yes, I believe there, there will be many things that we will rejoice in, many things that we have, we have worked at and that we will, we will get to receive and, and uh, celebrate and enjoy. But a big part of that harvest on that day will be that Jesus will reveal what he has been doing in your own heart and in your own soul to make you more like himself. In James chapter 1, verse 18, it speaks about how we, who are being changed from the inside out by the word of God, which is planted in us like a seed, we are to be like the first fruits of God, like the beginning of the great harvest. That who you are, who Jesus makes you to be from the inside out, will end up mattering a whole lot more than what you do or have done. But then even the things that we will celebrate that God did through us, we will realize only came about by how he shaped us to be. Because in chapter 3, verse 12, it talks about, it talks about the hypocrisy of, of people who, who act one way and, and speak another way, people who are one way. It says, you cannot get figs from olive trees. Remember that as you are waiting patiently for the coming of the Lord, as you continue to persevere at moving forward in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not getting the, the things that you think will make you happy, if you feel like 
Maybe God owes you something. And remember that much more than God's priority to give you good gifts during this age, during this life, which it, it is a priority for God to do that. He, he loves giving good gifts to his children. But a higher priority for him is to shape who you are, to shape who you are, to make you into a fig tree that produces figs, to make you into an olive tree that produces olives, to make you into the kind of person whose actions and the things that he or she says matches with who they are on the inside. Lesson three is that your, your reward will not be in this world. James does speak to, to believers who are rich here in this chapter, but he says you should rejoice in your humiliation because even the things that you have are going to wither in this world. That's in chapter one, verses 10 and 11. Be like a scorched plant that just withers up and dies. And yet, there will be tastes of good things, tastes of the, king, the coming kingdom, tastes of the coming harvest. It says every good and perfect gift is from above. There will be tastes of it, but the completeness will only come in the end, in that great harvest on that day. Here, here in our passage in James chapter 5, it says that as an example of patience, we should look at the prophets. Did you know that in the Old Testament, in order for a prophet to be accepted as a prophet, trusted as a prophet, they needed to show that they could say something was going to happen and it would happen. And in order for them to show that that it would happen, it needed to be something in the near future, something they could say, well, this is going to happen, and then it does happen, and people, people can say, oh, wow, this, this really is a prophet. And that's the same for us, that, that there, will be, there will be some things in the, in the near sense where it, God will really show up, God will show his, his power, the power of his gospel, the power of his spirit, the power of his word in our lives, and we will say, yes, the Lord truly is among us. But for the prophets, when you look through the, the Old Testament, at the, the stories of the prophets and the writings of the prophets, so much of the time, the near stuff proves that they are really prophets, but it is the far stuff that matters the most. The stuff that is predicted for far down the road. Far down the road, this is going to happen and the things that I'm saying today are going to make a huge difference for what happens down the road then. And for you as a Christian today, you're as much as we can experience tastes of the coming kingdom, as much as you can experience tastes of the power of God in this world, know that your patience needs to be for the far fulfillment, which may actually be very soon, but, it, but it's far in the sense that it's out of this world, that Jesus is coming and is going to usher in a whole new age, a whole new system, a whole new world. Everything will be different. 
And your reward will not be in this age. Your reward will not be in this world, which is tempting you so much and offering you so much. And the fourth lesson that we can take from James about perseverance and how all of this all of this ties together is that it takes a special kind of wisdom to persevere. Like it takes a special kind of wisdom to grow a crop. Back in chapter 1 when he, he speaks about perseverance and how perseverance shapes you to be mature and complete so you don't lack anything. But then he says, but if you do lack wisdom, then ask God for it. He's saying, he's saying don't, don't, don't feel like you have to wait and wait and wait to get wisdom. Just ask for it now and believe that you'll get it and you'll get it. You need wisdom now. It takes a special kind of wisdom to persevere. And then in chapter, chapter 3, he speaks about the kind of wisdom that comes from God and from above and not from this world. And he speaks about how it is, it is peaceable. Consider it. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. And then he says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. The kind of wisdom that God is giving you in order to help you to persevere is a wisdom that will help you to sow in peace. So that on that day when Jesus comes, and in some ways and sometimes before that, we will get a harvest, a great harvest then, tastes of the harvest beforehand, there will be a harvest of righteousness for those who sow in peace. A harvest of righteousness for those who sow in peace. Brothers and sisters, we are tempted not to persevere, we are tempted not to be patient in a world which cherishes and loves anger and celebrates anger. But it says in chapter 1, verse 20, that human anger will not produce the righteousness of God. Human anger will not produce the righteousness of God. The harvest that is coming, the harvest that we will fully enjoy, the harvest that our mouths are, should be watering for when Jesus comes, is a harvest of those who sow in peace. Let us be those who sow in peace. Now, there are two pictures or two stories that I believe this, this theme can get summed up in that, are, that I, I believe under the covers right here in the book of James. And the first is the, the story of in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, Jacob, and also of his son, Joseph. And there, if, um, if you go back to the beginning of the book of James, it, it talks about, in James chapter 1, verse 1, that James is writing to the 12 tribes. It's like Jacob had 12 sons. But also, in the, in the Greek, James's name is actually the name Jacob. Just as it's come down to us in English, it, it, it's come down to us as, as James, and it's so familiar to us as James that Bible translators just have it as James here. But, but literally, it's, it's Jacob. Jacob. And throughout this book, there are, there are hints that are, are pointing back to the story of Jacob and the story of, of Joseph. And 
You probably know a lot of that story already, but I can tell you that Jacob was a man who, in the middle part of his life, was always concerned about his wages. His wages, his wages, his wages. He was living apart from from the, the land of his inheritance. He was working for his uncle, and he was always, he was always trying to, to get better wages out of his uncle, and his uncle was always trying to swindle him. And Jacob thought that his relationship with God was the same, that he could do dealings with God. And so when, when he went to that land where he was going to work for his uncle, he tried to make a deal with God. God would, would uh, pay him back if he served God. But that's not how it works. And throughout Jacob's life, God showed that God is the one who gives a good inheritance. We don't earn wages from God. God gives a good inheritance. But then Jacob had, a, had 12 sons. One of those sons was Joseph, and the other sons didn't like Joseph. And they... Um, probably know the story of Joseph, that the other brothers sold him as a slave, lied to their father that he was dead. But really, Joseph, as a slave, was raised up in the land of Egypt from bad circumstances to worse, all the way up to being second in command of all of Egypt for the saving of much life. And in the end, Joseph gets the privilege of forgiving his brothers for what they did to him. And in the end, even Joseph gets to show that he is looking forward to his inheritance in the promised land. Now, it says here when it's talking about our patience in waiting for the harvest, our patience in waiting for the inheritance, it says, do not grumble against each other. The judge is standing at the door. And that's the... The ultimate picture of that in the Bible is of Joseph's brothers all grumbling against each other, and they don't think they don't know who Joseph is. But he's right there with them as ruler over Egypt, who can throw them all in jail or sell them all for slaves. He's the judge of them, the one who they've pretty much killed, and he's just standing at the door. And that's a picture for us that that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and he's let us not find that as he's standing at the door, he, he hears us grumbling against each other. Jesus is coming. And the judge is standing at the door. Let him not hear us grumbling against each other. There's also another story that Jesus tells that ties into all of this. At the, at the end of James chapter 5, it speaks about if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And that's giving us the, the lesson that in that coming harvest, when Jesus comes, what a joy it will be if part of the fruit of our work is that people who could have slipped away from the faith and could have been lost to hell, if there are people who we tried to reach out to and, and get them back, win them back to following Jesus, and they came back. What a joy it will be in that day that they've come back and that, that we were able to save them from death. The, the picture of that, the story that that gets tied to in the Bible 
is the story of the father with the two sons. And the younger son, this is in, in uh, Luke chapter 15, the younger son demands his share of the inheritance and goes off and, and squanders it on wild living and loses it. But then he, he, he comes to his senses and decides he should come back to his father and, and decides he'll come back and, and say, I, I just want to earn wages from you. I just want to work as a servant for, for you because your servants have it better than I had it there in the, that other land. But the father just welcomes him right back brings him right back into the family business, right back into his embrace. But then the older son is so upset, grumbles against that younger son, refuses to come in to the celebration. Why? Because he's upset about his own wages. He's upset that he never gets much from all of his service for his father, And he's thinking about his wages. He's thinking, I work for my father, and what do I get from it? Like I said, Christians slip into this. We slip into thinking that we are day laborers for the Lord. And that he should keep account with us. And he should pay us every day or every week or something in accordance with what we've done for him. It doesn't work that way, though. And father's answer to the, to the older son is, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. Don't you understand that you're, you're part of this? You're part of this land, you're part of this family, you're part of this coming harvest, but part of this harvest is that this brother of yours, he was dead and now he's alive. Here's a taste of the coming harvest Here's a taste of what we're living for and looking forward to on that day when Jesus comes. Friends, who are we grumbling about? What are we grumbling about? Let's repent of it. Let's repent of it and let's turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ who's coming soon and who's at the door already and is listening to how we treat each other, listening to what we're hoping for for each other, what we're longing for for each other. I'll finish by reading this verse once more. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Let us be patient for that coming harvest. May we taste of it in our mouths. May our mouths water for it. May we be ready for that day when he comes. Amen.